Hello, welcome to University Challenged. I'm your host, Tony Kent. Here's a question for you. How do you go from selling Sky door to door to becoming co-founder of an organization that trains people in the art of technology sales? And how do you create your own vision of career success when your family believes that university is the only way? Omar Sadiq is today's guest and he's co-founder of Trainio, a disruptive startup that's opening up the world of technology sales careers to everyone, for free, regardless of socioeconomic or educational background. As a highly capable student, it was expected that Omar would go to uni and despite realising a very early aptitude for sales, he bowed to pressure and enrolled to study a finance degree. It took less than a year for Omar to leave and throw himself into the boiler room environment of advertising sales where he learned how to cope with going to the wire and what it took to bust free of limiting beliefs. Following a number of years in recruitment executive search and a few bust ups in between, Omar saw the opportunity in technology sales and he went for it and discovered just how unfairly weighted towards graduates the process could be. So we did something about it. And in this episode, Omar shares how Trainio is going to change the SDR world, one sales development representative at a time. Shortly after the recording of this episode, Omar's co-founder and great friend Sunil Kumar sadly passed away. So this episode is dedicated to his memory. Hi, Omar. Hi, Tony. Good to Welcome. See you. Good to see you. Welcome to University Challenge. Um, I know a little bit about you, but for the listeners today and the listeners to come, could you share your full name and what it is you do today? Yeah, so full name, Omar Steek, one of the co-founders here at Trainio, and ultimately what we're trying to do is break down the barriers for people from all backgrounds to get into the tech sector. So we get people, we train them for free, put them on our job board and enable them to access companies that are hiring for SDRs, in a nutshell. Awesome. What a perfect nutshell it is. Um, so, co-founder of Trainio today, but mm-hmm. if we were to go back to when you were at secondary school, um, yeah. what are your memories of being there? Um, I quite like school. Uh, it wasn't wasn't that bad. I think a sixth form was probably the best years. Um, it's like school with just more freedom, right? Basically, yeah. If you're, if you're working or not um but yeah i, I quite quite like school I, I used to get decent grades i think i was the um kid that i used to just talk a lot but i used to just like soak information up i was academically i was, I was all right in that sense so got decent grades um got told off a fair bit for not getting better grades or, or trying harder to get absolute a stars but yeah i, I, I quite enjoyed it it's quite um looking back on it i did um yeah i did, I did quite like school looking back on it and um, what did you study for your GCSEs? Was there a particular path you were trying to follow? Um, no, I, I think I did P because yeah. I enjoyed it. Um, I went to a language because yeah. I, I was good at German, but then I think parents were like, no, there's not much point. So I did ICT, I did business studies. That was always interesting for me. Um, yeah. What else did I do? History, I enjoyed. Yeah, the, uh, yeah so I, I enjoyed history. I had a really good history chair. I really enjoyed history, and I also did uh, psychology. No, that psychology yeah. was A level. Sorry. Uh, yeah. There's one of the. There's a few of the subjects. I think because I was in top sets, I did like all the extra sciences, double yeah. maths, wow. lit line. Um, I'm. I think there's one thing that I'm missing. I cannot remember for life of me. Uh, 
it will come to you. Yeah. Um, so what did you take at A-level then, having done all of the GCSEs? Oh, that triple, you would have done so three separate like, sciences, yeah? Like I think I had like 15 GCSEs. I think wow. Like I got like three A's, five B's, seven C's. And that's, yeah, so there's a lot of exams I remember. Um, nice. It wasn't particularly stressful. Like, I didn't do much revision, so it was like, it was all right. <laughs> you just, um, academically, you just, it's there. It just seems to suit you then. Yeah, I was all right. I didn't really realize at the time my teachers used to shout at me because I think I was getting all right grades. But everyone used to say, my parents say, like, well, put some put some effort in. Um, yeah. I didn't really realize why at the time. But maybe looking back, maybe I could have done more. Um, but for A-levels, I went and mm -hmm. did psychology yeah business and it with a great i think there was a fourth one in, in, the, in the first year that i got dropped like i can't remember um i think oh i think that was history i think i did history yeah and then i fell out with the teacher so i just didn't go to the lessons but i think okay it, i <laughs> i kind of did some for the next two years okay so you've got a, a nice combination there on your a levels yeah um so university must have been on the cards was it what did what what happened yeah it was and then i think well, that was the only path i really knew right there was nothing really else ever shown to me um but i didn't really i think i think i applied to university but i didn't get the grades um obviously maybe i found out I should have done some more work but there are a lot of things happening in my in my life at that time which maybe took my my, my head off it so I applied to like I think the top unions around Birmingham. Um, I think it was predicted like A, A, B, but I didn't get those, so I didn't get any of the offers, right? Right. And then uh, the options for me then was either go to um, just a, a not so good uni that would just let me in with the grades I got. Mm -hmm. uh, take those are the options given to me uh, by my family, and I said I don't really want to retake. Do another year. I want to start working mm -hmm. sooner rather than later. Um, I wanted to go to work. But yeah, it's not really allowed. I was living at home at the time, so didn't have a choice. So it just ended up just signing up to Wolverhampton Uni. Mm -hmm. I think I just I just rocked up to the uni and said, uh, "These are the grades I've got. What what kind of what course is going to do?" And then they gave me a raft, and I was like, "All right, I just I just picked accounting and finance because it was that high level." <laughs> so I just yeah. picked that, got my loans, and just yeah, I think I went into like three like three times and just got the money. We got loan the grants like six nine thousand pounds. With the grants yeah. and all. Um, okay. and just chilled for a year, basically, as my uni experience. You chilled for a year. Yeah, we went like three or four times. That was about it. It wasn't really. Yeah. Um, and that was pretty much my university experience all the way. What did you think of it? Um, having been told that that's the path that you ought to follow, and then you've gone you've got some grants what what was your university experience for that year uh not much I mean I didn't really want to study anymore I wanted to work you know I wanted mm. to, to, to earn money there were certain things going on that meant I, I needed to earn um I didn't really see a point in university I, I don't think I actually knew 100% what I wanted to do mm. I just knew I didn't want to continue studying I wanted to just get out there make some money do something yeah. but you know if you when you're living at home you don't really you know you've got to do what your parents say at that at kind of that age so that was I said All right, I'll just do it just to please everyone and really intend to do things so I just was just going all the time and 
in, enjoying my enjoying the money that I had like a lot of money to get kind of all at once so yeah, yeah I, but I didn't really have much of a much of a say in it it was just like this way if you do everyone in the family was just saying so you gotta do you got no choice you gotta, you gotta go those are the things you gotta do to to do something in life I didn't really agree with it but mm-hmm. trade for, for that period of time. and what happened then so you've done a year and it's not for you how did you tell your family what did they say how did you take that step out of university and into the world of work I don't even think I, I don't even think I told them really I think they just <laughs> I think my dad was just like you're not even doing it you're not even going to uni. Like, I was just not doing anything and we see that I wasn't going to university and I was like, look I don't I don't see the point in it I I need to make money I gotta you know do things that I'm gonna send it places so mm-hmm. I think it was just like a conclusion where they just kind of gave up and just said I'm right, going to work and then I said I want to go into sales because I did a bit of sales before mm-hmm. um in between six women you I was doing door-to-door uh commission only selling sky um and I did all right wow. I loved it I enjoyed it it was a it was a, it was a, it was a bit of a brainwashing environment but I enjoyed it at the time like I was working 11 12 hours a day I'd wake up at eight I'd get back home at about yeah. midnight knocking doors all day but wow money was like I was what 16 17 yeah. um first week didn't sell anything second week smashed it got promoted mm-hmm. probably made about a, just over a grand in a month and yeah. for that time oh that's like money man um, yeah I want to go to sales and I was like no sales is a proper job you can't do that blah 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 so then I um I just ended up doing an apprenticeship for like 12 grand a year at a company called Wesleyan down in Bromley oh yeah insurance yeah That's yeah an insurance apprenticeship for about a year with Wesleyan um which was a good experience but I hated it like mm. I did point in the apprenticeship so I did that for a year I felt my talent was wasted it's just an, an admin apprenticeship mm. I was just data entry I was going in just doing normal stuff and I was seeing people there that were there for ages no one was really progressing and I think the one thing that got it for me was there was a guy he's been there for like 10 years and he used to be friends with like the senior manager who's coming every now and then and it took him 10 years making friends to just go for a move up and and end up on a wow. 20 30 grand a year salary and I was like oh this is this is not for me, man. There's no, there's no movement in in a normal role. It's just, it's just got to make friends and hope that someone takes a takes a shine to you to to push you up. And then I just, um, I just had in my nose, and I went and walked out one day. That was yeah, that was it. I said, nah, I'm not doing this. I had my nose in one day, walked out, went to the job center. Uh, I don't think I think yeah, I told my family, and then I got bollocked again. Just like, <laughs> Well, because Wesley's a big company, everyone thinks you work for a big company. It's great, yeah. But I'm like, nah, this is this is this is not it. So I just I got bollocked. I said I don't really care. I went to the job centre. Um, yeah. I was adamant about it. I never wanted to sign on because I thought there's all people that need the money and that's not with me. So I just went there. I said I don't want to sign on. Just give me a list of all your sales jobs. Yeah. So they printed it all off, um, and I just applied to every single one. Done my CV, applied to every single one. Yeah. I started just just interviewing and, and hustling from there. And that early experience of selling door to door, Sky. I mean, Sky is something that people are interested in. I guess there's that. It's a good product if if you like that kind of thing. But where do you get the trips par? I think is the word to go and knock on somebody's door and sell to them when you're 16. What what is it about you that made you go, yeah? I could do this. 
you know, you don't know any better, right? At the time, like you didn't, you'd like, <laughs> you'd think it was weird. I think my mate somehow did it. Like there were all these, all these jobs in it online that commission only he was doing. He was like, "Yo, this is what I'm doing," and I was like, "I right, get me in." He was like, "You sure?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, get do it." Yeah. So I went there, smashed things. I was always good at interviews. Yeah, smashed the interview, and it's like it wasn't. Like hard, I knew it was hard work, but that didn't put me up because they they tell you the kind of money you could make, and I was like, well, shit doesn't matter. I'm knocking all the doors, like I'm knocking doors all day long if I can make that kind of money. So it yeah. was just maybe didn't know any better, but it was just the reward of it, the kind of money and offer was just like, yeah, yeah. amazing. Sixteen, like seventeen, who 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 can make that kind of money? Yeah. Um, and is there anyone in your family that has enjoyed a sales career, or are you the first person to do this? Well, the first person, everyone's like salesman in a proper job. Yeah, yeah, you can't make you know you can't make long term money. Never gonna. Uh, it's, it's 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 not sales is sales is like a big t- taboo in this country. It's not seen as uh, yeah. career. It's just like a short term stock cap that maybe sometimes people do. That's about it. But yeah, I was just like, huh? <laughs> I'm gonna do it. I enjoyed it the first time around, so I might as well do it again. It's like it's and it's one of the few jobs you can do. I remember after my apprenticeship thinking, well, I, I don't have any, I can't go for a grad scheme. You know, mm-hmm. like I can't go for a grad scheme. I can't go for certain um, programs because I, I don't have the qualifications. And it was like, well, sales gives me the money. It's something I can I can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I kind of saw that like, I don't see why you need a degree to be a regional store manager of Alden Little, which was like decent paying. I don't know why a degree would get you in there or the, the big four. Yeah. So there weren't many options in the first, in, at that time anyway like yeah. to make these either what go work in retail go work in a in in, in a next or a, or something like that which i never used to get applicate i never used to get through anyway um or mm. go to sales which i had a taste for before and wanted to do and um when you went to the job center and said <laughs> print me off your list um oh. what what sales roles were you interviewing for where did that take you um, so they were mainly like telesale jobs for like yeah. businesses selling just random stuff. Um, yeah. I didn't have loads of interviews because I think the first, I didn't get many applications back. And the first couple of ones I got, I did relatively well at. Um, I just pushed that through pretty quick. But yeah. they weren't like big business. I was a big business that looked for, for grad sales people, right? So it was just like mm-hmm. small little random companies like tele like call centers or telesales or doing something like that um yeah I remember i applied at capita once on their customer mm-hmm. service reps as well but yeah it was that was probably the biggest company I, I really applied to most of them were just like little random little huts around birmingham to get yeah. into and uh i remember where i grew up it was it's a double glazing firm that loads of people went to work for yeah. um yeah and there was there was door-to-door selling of vacuum cleaners I can't think what they were called, Kirby's or something. They used to come into your house and hoover your uh, mattress and say, look at how disgusting your house is. <laughs> People go, oh, my God, take my money. Yeah. Um, yeah, but then door to not like what it is now. Like, now it's, 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 I don't think you can even do that. Like, no one will let you in the house now. But no. then it was just like, you know, you'd have a conversation, you'd point and you'd walk. And people just let you in, and they're like, oh, here's a cup of coffee, let's have a chat. Like, people just let you in the house. Like, this is what, I don't know how many years ago it was, like 10, 12 years ago. But yeah, yeah. it was times back then. You couldn't do that now. No. 
Um, where did you go then uh, after you, so you sacked the apprenticeship and you're interviewing for new sales roles? Where did that take you? So I ended up as um, a real small business, right? Like four of us, they were selling uh, advertising space for their own. Oh, right. Yeah. Like a proper startup, right? They, they'd only had like one prototype. We had like one case study um, is a yeah. small office. There was, I think, four of us and a part-time designer and a part-time editor because we couldn't, couldn't afford to, to get everyone on full-time. So yeah. I think this is the first six months. Um, so it's probably like higher and fire environment because you can't like you, like the, the go through people because if you're not making sales in like a month then it would yeah. get that money to keep you on right because you're you're on a you're on a basic salary and then you get commission only so yeah went in there and a bit of boiler room environment right it was just go find the numbers put them in an Excel spreadsheet pick up the phone and yeah and and, and dial and sell that and, and close yeah. it on the go that's pretty much what it was selling advertising space wow. Like just taking off all the tough ones. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, did you have a bell to ring when you got a sale? I don't think we could afford a bell. I mean, do you have a bell? Um, no, we didn't have a bell. It wasn't like it was just a tiny little office. So I think even if you got up, there's probably nowhere to go. So we didn't yeah. have a bell. I think it was just like, hey, got a deal. And then everyone, there's only three of us. But I remember like get, get pretty chuffed. Um, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was a really good experience just, just making a ton of dials um speaking to like hotel owners or like marketing teams in in the big ones and concierge companies and stuff and it's all trial and error it was like a baptism of fire like i think i was one day away from getting fired in the first yeah. month and nothing was coming through and then i remember i just i, I, I pitched this one it was just luck i pitched this one mexican uh yeah. hotel company and they didn't even speak english and i was just <laughs> I was just trying to talk to him and he didn't really know we were bits and bits and they were like, hang on the phone, it's not gonna work. Um and I was like, no, no, I can do it. And then I was just and then he's like, yeah, yeah. And he said, yes, send me the the the, the invoice, send me the invoice. And then he came back and said, Can I play in two amounts? And was, I was like, Your graphic, can we do this? And he was yeah. like, first one says, Ah, oh, yeah, safe. And that saved my job. Like they were gonna fire me on that day if yeah. um and then yeah, from there it just clicked and I just started smashing it. Right. And uh, where do you find the kind of resilience from <laughs> to, to perform under pressure like that, where, you know, you're making, I don't know, 80 or 100 calls and getting no, no, no. And then like, right, and now I'm going to be fired in 10 minutes unless I close the sale. How do you cope with that without like, losing your losing your rag and just shouting at people please for the love of god buy some advertising space from me i think at the time it was just like i had to make it work right because i'd gone to analim i told everyone i'm gonna get in sales but it didn't work yeah back with my tail to my legs and it, that, it was just like i had to tell everyone it didn't work out and i couldn't do anyone yeah. so and that was in the back of my mind every fucking day going yeah. through it wasn't like it wasn't the getting nose and stuff that didn't really bother me it was it was more so like if it didn't work yeah back and everyone would tell me well gotta go back to uni like and I was like no nah, it's not gonna happen so <laughs> I think it's just it's, it's you know I think they always say it's only the chip on the shoulder or point to prove is the dangerous person and I yeah. think that's what it was and I was just like nice nah, I'm just gonna make it work just kept going kept going kept going kept going and luckily um, yeah go on luckily yeah, luckily it came through at the last minute, on the, on the last day. 
Wow. Um, how do you get from uh, selling advertising space to a Mexican hotel chain to entering the world of tech and sort of realizing that that is a great place to be an SDR? Um, a lot, a lot. It was just everything. I think yeah, when I look back, everything is just like massive coincidence and and a mm-hmm. hell of a luck. So I was doing, I was doing well at the the advertising space. Mm-hmm. Top seller there. Did ever had do some good things. We moved office like four times. We had we had good revenue. Um, yeah. I don't think we were bust up with the managers. I guess like it was like a common theme throughout my early career. Um, yeah, I don't think we were bust up. In between that, I'd moved out house so I yeah. moved down so I moved out on my own had my own rent and stuff to pay had a bus stop left without having another job to to go to so I had like two I remember I had two weeks to find a job otherwise I wouldn't be able to pay my rent so then yeah. I kind of heard recruitment was a good place to make money yeah yeah it was a good place to do so that's when I started into so I specifically went out to all the recruitment companies yeah went out found them all applied called them up said look I'm good give me a job I'm half I'm not half bad I had quite a few interviews there were a lot of most of them just wanted degree people as well and that was where I faced um some interesting conversations in, in a lot of the interview processes mm-hmm. uh, but then toward the end I got a couple of offers like I just kept speeding it up got a couple of offers chose one so I was working in recruitment doing exec search and stuff and we used to hear about like these people in tech making a lot of money right but yeah. we didn't know nothing we just thought it's a myth like you know, as people at London, you know, big shots, very super smart people. Um, mm. never ever thought in my wildest dreams I'd ever kind of enter the industry. I remember mm. thinking about it, like, it's like money, man. Like some of the people used to recruit for them and they spent money. I was like, just it just went over your head. It wasn't something you could do. And then mm. left there, went to a different recruitment company. Um, they asked me to build out a new and this is how I mean total luck. They asked me to build out a new market, like my thing was new business. So yeah. then I did my research and that's how I came across SAS. It's pure yeah. luck. I just saw an article on on software as a service industry and tech, and I was like, "Whoa, this space is growing. They hire a lot, which means and the salaries are good, which means as a recruiter, volume and salaries means decent fees consistently. It was like a perfect market to yeah. And then it's like recruit for SDRs, um, a SDRs and A's and and heads of sales. And then I looked at the SDR and I thought, like, is this a, a young kids man making like. 40, 50 grand a year, just and everyone was just like latest fair. It was nothing like recruitment, you know, 12 hours, 15 hours a day. Yeah. Come late, you get bollocked. And everyone was like, yeah. everyone was happy. And I was like, how come everyone's so happy in this place? Like <laughs> completely different. But again, they they, they everyone you that back then, even now it is, but back then you needed a degree. Very few people actually got in without a degree. Um, like four, I don't know how many years ago now, four or five years ago. So yeah. Thought, and, yeah. and just and for the people that, you know, tech industry, and well, all industries have their own uh, language. Yeah. Uh, SDR as an acronym, sales. Sales development representative. So it's like, it's, an, it's the entry level sales role. So ultimately, yeah. where you are, the, the aim is to bring in new business, right? So you're generating meetings for the account for the other salespeople to go and close. Yeah. So yeah. It is a- okay. Um, and it's fun. And, and I have, like done one of those roles it's called internal sales in the olden days um but it's interesting there's so much that I can relate to what you're saying because I entered the industry didn't have a degree but you turn around and go what do you mean these people are earning 80 grand 
and mm. it wasn't that they were some mythical like person they were just a person who had found their way into the industry um so i can see why you'd go from recruiting in that space to going hmm maybe i need to operate in this space or have an offering for this space yeah 100 and it was just, it was the same skill set right like i'm still winning business in recruitment i'm saying the service so the process yeah. outbound and winning meetings and cold calling and emailing was the same mm. skill set that was needed yeah. so like why don't i do like i'm here slaving away it's the commission was, was all right but why, why can't i do it so then i, I thought i'm gonna do it again what trigger i was thinking about it and then again, I had another bust up with the, the manager there. <laughs> Everyone had a bust up with him, though, to be fair. Yeah. That was, to me. Everyone else ended up leaving after I did. Um, and I was yeah. like, that, that just clicked the switch. And I was like, fuck it, I'm going. So then I started applying to roles. Yeah. Uh, all the connections I had built up, none of them, uh, they all disappeared um, when I right. yeah. Um, I was applying all the talent teams to know all the agencies. They wouldn't look at you because they, they openly advertise grads right that's there that's all if you look at the, the old big agencies they own they, they specifically say they hire grads some of them have changed now i think since we come along the scene but so none of them would look at me right so i had to um just go direct again just like email the people yeah. directly avoid the, the kind of talent teams just call up the the sales director and say look man just give me a job um yeah. not that bad. no one used to do that back then and then it was like all right that's all right. that's how i kind of got into that go over above and beyond so then yeah. And two weeks later, I just moved down to London, and like I moved into London like the day before my job site or something like that. Like two weeks, just up to moved. Yeah. And look back, I was like, "Whoa, this is a this is insane." Yeah. Wow. And I, I just noticed this. Part of me thought we need to call this episode "Busts Up, Busts Ups and Bollockings." Um, but um, there's this kind of theme of, and you can see this is why you're so well suited to sales. It's like right. I'm going to find an opportunity. I'm going to pursue the opportunity. And I'm not going to let anyone say, I told you so. Um, I'm intrigued to know how you dealt with, um, you said actually going around the talent teams worked for you because actually as a sales manager, I want the best salespeople. And I'd be pretty annoyed if my talent team had missed out on bringing me someone that could close a ton of deals. Um, so I think, like you say, your direct approach proves that they absolutely were getting the right person. Um, how did you deal with people who said, well, you know, you haven't got a degree, so can't won't look at you? I think in the year, that, that happened a lot when I was doing the recruitment for the interview piece, uh, when mm-hmm. I was interviewing for the recruitment agencies. It was like, you just get questioned a lot, like, why don't you go and try and explain it and say, well, it, it just doesn't make sense. You've, you've got half decent grades, but I was like, I only went because my dad told me to and I don't really think it's necessary and then they said they go right they kind of ask well do you not think a degree is necessary to get into recruitment or to, to get a sales job no I, I can't see the correlation and they just keep digging and digging and digging and I just get frustrated um mm. so the whole issues didn't go massively well I think I was just I used to just get annoyed like I didn't understand why yeah. having a degree would make me good at sales like just because I can sit down for three years and yeah. information was that's what academic like the academic system is, is half of it is just about your ability to it's comprehension about your ability yeah. to take information and regurgitate it that's why i was good at it because i just remember it and regurgitate. i didn't understand half the stuff but i got good mm. ways to regurgitate stuff um and that was just frustrating 
and it kind of didn't go well in, in, in those interviews. But there were some interviews where it, they, they asked me the question, I explained it, and it was okay. And then the, yeah. more of my actual skills and what I've done in sales already. Yeah. So it was, it, was, it was maybe a bit difficult, and maybe I, I could have explained things a little bit better. But, yeah, it was just it was frustrating, I remember. Yeah. And how did you come to the point where you become a founder of your own business and I'd love to get into sort of what Trainio is all about and what you stand for um so I've always like I've always tried like little businesses here and there I think I've always like I've, I've, a couple of times I've left jobs and just gone in and tried a new business and it hasn't worked and you kind of learn the what kind of didn't work and you know what you need moving forward and then for, for this one in particular Obviously, I was in the SDR spaces and I knew the role pretty well. I had a friend that I've known for a long time, um, in recruitment. And he, when I went to another business, he kind of came. And then when I went to tech, he kind of came as well. Yeah. He was approached to, to another startup. Um, he was doing it and then he had a bit of mutiny. And then he said, I'm going to do it myself. And then he yeah. hit me up and he was like, Omar, this is what we're doing. Like, I want you on board. Um, I was like, no, I didn't know if I wanted to do it. I had a lot of things going on at the time. Basically, life was a bit hectic. Um, didn't know if I wanted to do and maybe going through a bit of a bit of a confidence crisis at the same time mm-hmm. um, and he was kept asking me kept asking me kept asking me and I remember I was at the gym I was, I, was, I was just rolling my hamstrings I was like fuck it I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do it yeah. and then I said oh well I'll do it and then that was pretty much the decision done like it was a good idea to to yeah. kind of see other companies do it to go in and, and to be able to train SDRs and we could actually help people and, and, and make a difference right and I'd, I'd seen how difficult for people in different backgrounds and, and even in different countries, right? Because I've been to poor countries and seen how people lived over there. And I thought this is an opportunity to, to one, yeah, make a, make a shed load of money, but two, how, if, we, if we do it right, like change things for the mm-hmm. better, um, yeah. not just here, but, but everywhere. If yeah. we can execute and, and do what we say we're going to do, we can have a massive impact. So it was just like, mm-hmm. at the end of it, it was just like, it's kind of worth the risk and worth everything to do. And I've spent some time on your website and having a look at uh, where you focus your efforts. And I think this is something that was that made it really exciting to me. And I must have come across you by LinkedIn. Um, but could you speak a bit about the type of people that you want to attract and want to work with and want to offer opportunities to? Yeah, so... I think it is everyone. We don't we don't, we don't rule it as a just for like a, a certain type of person. We do want to make it, it is open to absolutely everybody. Um, how it works out, and and this was interesting when I was doing the recruiting for the first time. Because I used to do everything, so I used to bring the people on board and, and take them through. What was happening was people with the traditional good profile they'd interview with me, but then they'd get the roles. But mm-hmm. people that didn't have the atypical profiles, they're the ones that ended up coming in the program, and. Okay ones that we were really left with so it was it was it's interesting to see that as well but ultimately i think we just want to give people the roots and the, the belief that doesn't matter what where you are now right your your situation your background or who you know or anything like that everyone can have the same opportunity if you've got that that work ethic and that drive and and desire to actually be in sales you can kind of come on and and, and do well mm. and i saw um there were some really good questions that I noticed on the site that said something like, I have dyslexia, can I have, can I participate? I need to work around childcare 
is that okay? And there were these, I think, four questions. And I thought it was really refreshing to see that. Yeah, I think we, when we designed, I mean, the website's gone through because maybe the layout isn't amazing. Content's pretty decent. Because uh, mm. there's different things that can affect people, right? Like some people, they work from home or they're a single mother, they, they, they might need flexibility. Um, we're lucky that in tech, you kind of have that with remote roles or like flexible working and things like that. There's people have different learning styles as well. Like Sunil, he's got ADHD, he's dyslexic as well, but he's, he's obviously an amazing SDR and, and an amazing founder as well. And, mm-hmm. and those sorts of things shouldn't stop you from mm-hmm. kind of getting to the workforce and getting into a career. But we know that those are maybe limiting beliefs that people have and think if they're in a certain situation, they have a certain learning style that maybe they're, they're limited in their options. Yeah. But it's not the case. It's just you've got, you've got to find the organization that can kind of work around that and can cater to that. And I think the good thing about tech is it is pretty open like that. And, and yeah, you will get managers who will cater different learning styles and they will be flexible depending on people's situations as well. So in the right space to do it, it's just making people aware that that's an option as well. And um, how does your how does your program work then? How do you take a raw recruit and turn them into an SDR that somebody wants to employ? Uh, <laughs> a lot of hard, hard work on their end, right? <laughs> Yeah, uh, we don't charge anyone for the training, which is quite eye-opening for for a lot of folks. So it's it's an eight-week program. It's in the evenings. It's three hours a day. So a lot of people they're working full time. They're coming in. They're doing the three hours at night. So you've got to have a level of work ethic, and you've got to be able to clear diary for eight mm-hmm. weeks. But during that, they're taught by the top people in the industry so we basically pay for the people to come on right but they they get a chance to learn from like vps um sdr directors sdr managers you know, doing the job right now so they're learning from the top people who are doing the jobs right now which is a massive help they get a chance to network with leaders in the space that they never normally have access to right so yeah. they get those people they get to learn everything that they need to learn from cold calling to emailing to the different technology stacks that we use mindset as well that's massively important in sales yeah. they through the full program they get all the support that they need so yeah. by the end of it the ones that are left are the ones that have kind of done the work required they've put in the eight weeks of pain and they're much better set up to succeed like the transformation in people over eight weeks is mad like i've seen it first time again i used to kind of do it all the transformation mm-hmm. people go through as, as as people and the confidence mm-hmm. they have by the end of it is is pretty insane it's it's a yeah. drastic and do you think um well i'll ask the question differently actually so how do you make money then if it's free for everyone that wants to become an sdr how do you make money so we make money it's a good question we make money on the company side of things yeah. so we now have a platform so once everyone completes the program they will upload into our job board or, or hiring marketplace whichever you want to frame it then companies pay us to have access um, and be yeah. able to hire those SDRs that have been trained and, and come from different backgrounds at the same time. Yeah. So also companies are massively benefiting because normally they just hire someone fresh and in sale in an SDR or you don't know who actually yeah. wants to be sales. Um they'll leave because they realize how hard cold calling is and it takes a long time to get people up to scratch because you are yeah. doing that. Companies benefit because they've now got people who have proven they want to be in sales and they can like ramp up in, in half the time because they already know how to cold call by some of the yeah. best people in the space. They already know how to email. They end up part yeah. of the team. So they can hit the ground running a lot quicker. So companies benefit massively. Um, yeah. The people benefit massively at the same time as well. Yeah. Um, 
I made a note from when we first spoke and you talked about intelligence versus smart. Um, and I'd love to for you to share just some of your thinking around that. Yeah, I think there's 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 book smart and then there's there's work smart as well. And I think there is a there is a difference, but I think that's what when people look at the reason why people like people look for for that degree is because they think it demonstrates intelligence, right? But ultimately, I don't believe there's a direct correlation between intelligence and, and going to university, right? I think what university shows is you can work hard for three years, um, yeah. that you're suited to the academic system and you learn in a certain way. Does it necessarily mean you have an advantage over someone that hasn't gone to university to do a specific sales job? If you're going to be a, a, a doctor or, or a lawyer, you need to have specific knowledge and stuff, yeah. right? general business roles or for sales positions i don't believe there's a direct correlation there um and i think that's where a lot of companies kind of make the mistake um with having that as a filter i don't believe it gives anyone an advantage or makes them smarter for the role it gives them the ability to, to to study but does it make them a better salesperson i, I don't yeah and do you where do you get your um how do you get to <laughs> hope this doesn't sound weird how do you get to scratch your sales itch now you're running an organization yeah where where do you get your your selling fun i, I still sell so i still do it all so i'm yeah. still on tools that I've, I've got got the team of sdr so i still portion part of the day out to to do the outreach I still close most of the deals as well alongside everything else that we do so it's like it's like 15 days because you've got to pretty much do everything um yeah. still do that i still do the, the the closing i still do some of the outreach as well so i still get that that kind of buzz when you close the deal you get someone in um so i'm still responsible for that whilst i'm running the business um so i still get a chance to to do that obviously as we grow and i'd probably i'd probably have to move away from it at, at some point but for now i still quite quite enjoy it it's kind of like in the blood for now yeah and thinking about what's next for you that, that you're able to talk about, I, I don't like to put people on the spot too much, but sort of looking ahead, what 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 are you what are you aspiring to? What do you fancy doing next? Um growing the business as, as big as possible. If you want to develop out the, the the platform piece, get the get the product strong, we want to go into different regions as well. We've kind of recently gone into to, to Ireland. Um we're in the US. I want to like go across Europe and, and hit up APAC and in the Middle East and Africa as well. I think there's a lot of work, good work we can do in, in those regions as well. And then quite a lot in those spaces. They could be quite interesting for us. And then I think in the next kind of like three, five years, the 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 longer term play is to really build out an alternative education system that is low cost or or, or free to most people. But yeah. that for a position specifically um in industry so not a generic degree like a something specific on like a product role something specifically on a marketing role something specifically on further aspects of the sales roles as well which enables mm -hmm. anyone right doesn't matter where you are in the world or what your background is anyone can have access and everyone will have equal access to practical education and opportunities at the same time because there's a lot there are certain things out there but they are pretty high cost and yeah not available to everybody 
Yeah. But I believe if we can do that, we'll, we can make a big difference one. Definitely. Um, and it is, it's still my experience of the careers sector, seeing my kids go through, you know, my daughter's at, at uh, sixth form, that's the one. Um, but seeing the careers advice that's available, it's still very basic. I think she filled out a questionnaire and it said you could be a circus performer. I mean, yeah, come I'm on. <laughs> yeah, I remember we did one of those in sixth form, I think. I can't remember what I got for. I remember we all we, we did a lot of that. And I think that's what it is. I think especially in, in, in the UK, there's a lot of work to be done around like options out there for people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even the ones that do go to university, like, a lot of people that go to university they'll get a degree and they don't know what to do after afterwards with it. Like you, you get a generic like most people get a psychology or graphic design or a generic degree, yeah. they still don't know what their options are. Because it can be very yeah. difficult to those niche specific areas, but a lot of people are just left in the lurch and they end up just working in in, in retail for a few years trying to work out what to do with the degree that they've yeah. got. There's, there's options like post degree, there's options pre that, and then there's people who are trying to transition and are just sick and tired of what they're doing. So I think there's a lot of work to be done at all stages of the kind of career life cycle. Um, yeah. In the US as well. And uh, as a kind of final question then, what, what do you think has held you in good stead throughout your career and, and life to date? What are the kind of the the qualities or things the values that you have that have enabled you to do what you've done oh that's a good question i think i think choosing the difficult options early in my career gave me that resilience um to do what i do now like choosing to go into sales, even when a recruitment, choosing to go build out a new division. Uh, you learn a lot of skills, but it gives you a lot of, like, you, you've got to go through a lot of shit. Um, and that's, like, what being in a startup is, right? I think other things that are really important in terms of resilience and work, I think, is moving at a young age was a, was a, was a big game changer. Um, the way you see the world is, is automatically and massively different, right? Like, if you walk out of a job, you can't just chill at home and relax and pick the right thing. You, If you have to, you've got to clean floors. Right. Yeah. And, and that work that those things kind of develop a work ethic and level resilience that I think not a lot of people generally have. Um mm. and for, for me, those are things that, that make I believe make me stick out a, a little bit is is the resilience and the work ethic is at such a high level because you move at a young age, because you go against the grain. Yeah. Um, and having a chip on your shoulder and a, and a point to prove is is one of the biggest motivators anyone can ever have i think i've mm. heard it time, time again someone's got a point mm. to prove they're, they're, a, they're a dangerous person because the level of, of drive that gives you is just crazy you've got to balance it because sometimes it can have a, a counter effect as well which i've mm. uh, seen at the same time but i think those are the things that have set me real good stead and and, and wonders for me more than like ability or or, or anything else like that fantastic um and i guess <laughs> to that point i think we should say you know because you can work from anywhere be anywhere run an organization from where from wherever you're currently in casablanca yeah yeah correct i can say that yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm allowed yeah. to say that <laughs> yeah been around i think yeah running the run, yeah, yeah. seeing how remote work is and has uh, definitely kind of changed things for for us. Like we said, when we said it was going to anyone go anywhere. I think I've been to like 
I don't know how many countries I've been to since we started this up. Um, six or seven. I've been to a few different places, worked from from all over. Um, so yeah, I think that's one of the biggest advantages, and I love it. Just the ability to get up and go anywhere you want, whenever you want, within reason, right? Like budgetary constraints and all, all that. But yeah, yeah. it's uh, pretty cool not having to have winter for, for the past couple of years. Helps me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm sat in the chilly, chilly room in my house. Um, I've just absolutely loved speaking to you, Omar, and I love what Trainio is about. I will put links in the show notes so people can find it. But if people are only listening, um, where is the best first place to go if people want to get involved? Website. So check out the website. It's www.trainio.com. Uh, that'll have all the information to sign up, learning more information, or, or if you just want to know more about the team as well, everything is on the website and all the content details are there as well. Fantastic. Well, thanks, Omar. And uh, I can't wait to hear what your next idea is while you're rolling out your cards. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> I'll keep you updated, I'll let you know. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the University Challenge. Now, did you know that we have got a playlist? Yes, we've got anthems where everyone who's been a guest on University Challenge put forward a song that they think epitomises their attitude to life. So head to the YouTube channel, which is at University Challenge, and check out the playlist there. You can also find more on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Simply put in University Challenge. And if it doesn't come up, I need to work on my SEO. Thank you.